the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And I also want to look at the beginning verses of chapter 2. It says this, beginning of chapter 2, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He, he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the ways of the faithful ones. I could go on. It's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> but um, Just amazing teaching of wisdom. So I'm just going to pray because you notice that it says the Lord gives wisdom. It's God who gives it. So let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit. So come. Lord, we just want to say, uh, come today by your Spirit on the Word of God. We thank you that the Word of God is living and active and it, it can powerfully affect lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your way today. I pray you'd use your word for your purposes and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so God give me wisdom. I'm going to be looking at this, kind of following on this theme of what, what is this all about, this wisdom. And I want to look at three things. Uh, so if, if we've got the PowerPoint, oh, it's there, wow. Brilliant. So the key verse we're looking at today is this verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And uh, there's actually a lot in that, as we'll, we'll see as we come through. Um, and I want to look at three things this morning, the beginning of wisdom, the orbit of wisdom, which I'll explain when we get there, and wisdom that works. So just a few personal I'm not sure how deep I'm going to go, but a few personal stories about how God's wisdom uh, can change lives. So these three things, the beginning of wisdom, the orbit of wisdom, and wisdom that works. So we're, we're very much looking at continuing to understand, well, what is this wisdom? So this key phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and actually, from the Bible's perspective, it's quite an important thing. I don't know if you want to skip on here we go. So the, I was only, because I got this verse, it's not my favorite verse, I've got to be honest. Fear of the Lord is beginning. Because as you'll find out, I think the word fear, I'm jumping on to my second point, but I'll stop in a second. But it, uh, it's not something we naturally resonate with because that, that, to my mind, has the idea of terror. But actually, as we'll say, it's quite an amazing concept once you get into it. But I'm gonna, that's a little taster for point two. But just forget I said that. Go back to point one. Right. So here we are. The, this concept of wisdom is very important in the Bible. So 
and this statement itself, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it occurs in Job. So Job says it in Job 28. You'll see, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To shun evil is understanding. And then you see, it happens in Psalm 111. So the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Then you get this, it's twice in Proverbs. So it's in the beginning of where we just read. The fear of the Lord is actually beginning of knowledge, it says there. But then it goes on to explain that it is really wisdom we're talking about, knowledge and wisdom. And then in Proverbs 9 verse 10, exactly the same. And then you say, again, wisdom's instruction in Proverbs 15 says this. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So this idea of wisdom and the fear of the Lord is very closely all the way through the scriptures. quite interesting. Um, and then even Isaiah talks about this storehouse that is accessed, the key to the storehouse to getting God's wisdom. The key is the fear of the Lord, if you want to really get into God's wisdom. So I just think it's, really, it's a really significant verse in the Bible. It was a really key verse for the Old Testament to understand how do we get God's wisdom. Um, and there's a whole genre of literature in the Bible called wisdom. So it talks about in um, Jeremiah 18, it says there are three types of teaching in the Bible. The teaching of the law, the words of the prophet, and the counsel from the wise. So actually when they were looking at how God spoken to us, there are three areas. You've got the law, stuff that Moses brought. You've got the prophets. But you've got the counsel of the wise. There's a whole area just wanting, you think about it, God wants us to get wise. He's got a whole section, if you like, wisdom. That is the main, you know what I mean? It's like you're going to school, you've got, you got your prophets, you've got your law. Oh, we've got wisdom today. You know, it's one of the core curriculums. Does that make sense? It's like a key thing. So we, Christians, therefore, should be the wisest people on earth, if that's our teaching. Is that your experience? Or is there something missing? <laughs> just put it out there. Just a little thought. But Christians should really be very wise. If they're taking the Bible seriously, they're saying, well, I want to te- learn this stuff. See, um, Timothy says this, the scriptures are able to make you wise. And it says, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's all good stuff. But it's able to make you wise. That's the goal is for wisdom in your life. Um, so th- that's why the, it's important, this beginning of wisdom, it's important to, if, you, if you've not looked at it, to look at it, and if you have looked at it, to grow in it. You know, so it says, whoever's wise, let him add to his understanding. No one's got a ceiling on wisdom. No one's mastered it. It's something you can keep growing and keep learning in. So that's the one issue. The Bible really lays it out as important, Okay. The other thing is it's important just looking around in everyday life, okay? There's a major problem with people. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's a major problem with people. For example, did you see that story about the politician who was caught playing Candy Crush in an important meeting? Was it Candy Crush? Is somebody playing it now? That's totally inappropriate. (laughs) If you're playing Candy Crush, stop right now. God wants to speak. Right. Um, but I just thought, well, that, is, that guy needs some wisdom. <laughs> um, and there's some other people. I was looking on Facebook this week. And it's always, you've got to be careful when you look on Facebook. I'll just put that out there. But 
somebody in this church who remained nameless liked something, and therefore it came up on my news feed. And so if we could go to the photos now, Clive. These are, this is, I, didn't, I couldn't put them all on. They are some, just some people doing some very foolish things. So this, if you can't see what that is, that is a trampoline on the top of a block of flats. Now that is not wise. It gets worse, okay? This guy, what? No, no, let's not, let's not rush them. Let's really soak them up. Uh, so what is this guy doing? He is, he's lifting weights on a ball. I mean, that is really not wise. And let's go to the next one. Ooh. Now, there were a few where I was like, should I, shouldn't I? You know, and this is, this, what, how, and, uh, how did it get up there? That's what I'm thinking. How does that get up there? And that, that cannot be the safest way of taking a building down. Okay, let's next, next one. <laughs> this guy. Look at this. So this guy, is a, he's mowing the hedge <laughs> on a crane. So he's got a crane and he's mowing the hedge. Now, there was actually there was another story a little while back of a guy who wanted to propose. Do you hear about this? The guy wanted to propose to his wife and he, he got a crane and he lowered himself outside her bedroom window but then the crane tipped and went into his neighbour's house and flattened. So she said yes, so he was happy, but it, the crane tipped because he hadn't put his leg. He, he'd hired a crane. He didn't know what he was doing. He was a fool. And he, put, he hadn't put the legs out to give the counterbalance. So he just acted out, lowered himself and crunched. It smashed the house down. So there's some food. Now this guy is pretty ingenious, really. And look at this. Now this is the last one. Now that guy is just mental. Uh, so what he's got, he's got bread on him and he's feeding the birds. So he's covered himself with bread and he's feeding the birds. I put to you that that is not wise. So we need, we need to wise up. And uh, just another, just, I don't want to get too, we could go on all morning on this, but did anybody see the Top Gear Argentinian special? I mean, I saw it, okay. I mean, that was the epitome of foolishness in my mind. I mean, the whole thing of, if you don't know, that they went to Argentina and then they decided to drive through Chile and down, and it was, it was, it was quite a good program. But they had a number plate that was, uh, had the date and the initials of the Falklands. And they were going to the part of Argentina that is the most hostile and upset against the British for the whole issue of the Falklands. And you just think, what, what, what happened in their, in, the, in their brainstorming meeting? You know, who thought it would be a good idea? Take away the number plate. Who thought it would be good to take Jeremy Clarkson to the place that most hates the British? I mean, it was... And if what happened was they ended up having the, the car got stoned. There was like a mob wanting to lynch them. It's quite frightening, actually, when you watched it, how angry these people got with them. And he just thought, whenever you watch Top Gear, you are watching the Proverbs, you know, the bit in Proverbs where it talks about the fool, pretty much. That's how he's made his career, is being the fool. And you know, he's done a lot of foolish stuff. And you think, madness. But actually, I, heard, I read this, this is in a David Paulson's commentary. 
It talks about there was once a country fool. This is quite an old story. And the country fool, he used to, uh, people would amaze because he would, if you offered him a five pound note or a sixpence, he'd always take the sixpence. And people like, whoa, what a, what a fool, what a fool. Uh, and it became a tourist attraction. And tourists used to come and they would always offer him the five pound note and the sixpence. And he'd always take the sixpence. He became a very rich man. So he wasn't such a fool after all. And I think Clarkson kind of fits into that category as well. I think it's very uh, deliberate folly in some ways. Uh, but anyway, that said, we need uh, God's wisdom. Uh, and uh, so, by contrast, Solomon stands out a mile um, in terms of godly wisdom and um, So he prayed that prayer that we talked about at the start. And it says this in Kings. It said, God gave Solomon wisdom. It wasn't his own. God gave it to him. He gave him something. And he gave him very great insight and understanding, as measureless as the sand and the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the peoples of the east and greater than the wisdom of Egypt. So this amazing wisdom. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. It's quite prolific, isn't it? You've got a lot of stuff done. Which is something I was thinking about. When people talk about wisdom, we often think academic. But actually, wisdom's quite practical in the Bible. It gets stuff done. You know, he had a lot of people were amazed at the building works he achieved and the things he got done. Because he was proactive, he was doing stuff. All the nations of the earth came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent, they sent their kings of the world to hear. So he had a a God-given amazing wisdom. Actually, that's what we've got. He says he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. We've only got 900 in here. So obviously some of them didn't make the grade. But, uh, and they're not all Solomon. Some of them are compilations of other wise teaching. But we've got what God gave him, this, this wisdom from God. So I just want to encourage us. This is what we're looking at in terms of the beginning of wisdom. But I also think it's quite helpful. I know... uh, um, we did look a little bit at this last week, but I think there's some really helps us to get some definitions in our minds about what it is we're talking about. What is this wisdom? Because I think for some of us, it, it comes up the wrong image. So I found this really helpful. This is Vine's uh, Bible dictionary uh, on the, the word wisdom. It says, wisdom in the Bible is the knowledge and ability to make the right choices at the right time, at the opportune time. So the right choices at the right time. And this, this is my favorite snappy thing. Uh, I, I read this years ago. There's a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. I'd recommend it because it explains how you've got to understand the genres, of, the, the different types of literature to really get the, the best out of it. Um, it's just it's really, really well written. Gordon Fee. And he says this. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. Now, I know it's quite simple, but I found it helpful. <laughs> wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. Do you get it? It's about making good decisions. So it's about skillful living, practical wisdom, wisdom for everyday life. It's not sort of a lofty intellectualism. Oh, that person's really wise. They know so much. No, no, it's... it's um, and it's not anti-intellectualism either. So it's not that. It's not, um, you know, I, I put it like this once. I said it's, 
it's um, the person who's wise is not the person who knows the most. It's the person who lives the best. Does that make sense? It's not the person who knows the most. It's the person who lives the best. Wisdom is something you practice. You, you put into your, you're making good choices, godly choices. Um, I did come across quite an amusing story in this book. Uh, and seeing as I've got some time, uh, <laughs> I would. Uh, but just to illustrate, it's not just about being intelligent. There was a trip uh, of Mensa members to Bristol, okay? It's quite funny. I'll just read it to you. It's described as the least successful Mensa outing. So 25 of the brainiest people in the world, one newspaper recorded, a delegation of Mensa members went to a science museum in Bristol in 1991 when it opened. The group was led by Viktor Serberikov, the international president of Mensa, an organization for people with unusually high IQs. The museum was right next door to the railway station, a short 75-yard walk down the road. Not one of them could find it. When they didn't arrive, we got quite worried, the museum manager said. Uh, we finally found them wandering in a side street, like a, boss, uh, like a bunch of lost sheep. <laughs> so, you know what I meant saying? They were, they're intelligent people, but they're not necessarily wise in how they're living. And the ability to find a museum next to the train station, you know, they're lacking something there. It's practical life's wisdom. Does that make sense? But it's also, it's not anti-intellectualism. I actually spoke this week to a guy who is a member of Mensa, who works where I work at BCMS, and he's a believer. And I was just chatting to him about, how did you, because he went to Oxford, and I think he got a first at Oxford, he's a very bright guy. And I was saying, how did you find it? Um, talking to people who are not believers, not, don't believe in God. And I thought he, was, he had a very wise answer. He said he, didn't, he used to try and find out what people's issue was. Because often there's an issue. In, if somebody's anti-God, there's often an issue that's put them off God rather than having an outright argument. I thought he gave quite a wise answer. So I do not have a downer. I just want to say it's not... Um, it's practical wisdom, but it's not anti-intellectualism. It's not like some Christians who talk to them and they, they sound just like, well, I just, you know, I do whatever comes into my head. <laughs> God's told me. And actually I think, well, that's good to do what God tells you, but sometimes is it yourself? Is it your own voice? You know what I mean? God, i just put it like this. God has given us a brain and he expects us to use it. So it's not anti-intellectualism. That makes sense. It's, it's wisdom. It's good is making godly choices. So, for example, in James 3, verse 13, it says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So it's not the one who knows the most, it's the one who lives the best. That's the wise person. Does that make sense? So, that is wisdom. I also love the word prudence. I don't love the word prudence, because it sounds a little bit like, ooh, a prude, but... Um, but there's a lot in the, in the teachings of Proverbs, we'll see, about prudence. Now, prudence is not a great word, but the meaning is helpful. The meaning is about you think about what's to come. Don't you know the English proverb, look before you leap? There is wisdom in that. 
There is wisdom about thinking things through, thinking about the consequences. In fact, you could say that the, the contrast of wisdom and folly in the Bible is a bit like the contrast uh, of sin and righteousness. They're choices we make. You can choose sin or you can choose righteousness. The way of wisdom, the way of folly. It's kind of the same thing when you talk about everyday life. Is, and so it's good to think about the consequences. Is this course, is what I'm doing a wise thing? Or is there dangerous consequences? Because that will hold you back from the path of sin. Nobody, because sin tells you everything will be, you know, it's appealing. A bit like John was talking about the woman folly saying, oh, come to me, you know, stolen water is great, secrets. You know, there's an appeal that says, oh, it implies that, but actually you know it, in the end it's death. There's a lot of that kind of thing. Well, you think about what is the consequence of this action? What is the, if I follow this path, how will my life work out? And sadly, there are many cases of people who get sucked into things, but actually it's, they've not thought through, they've not practiced prudence, if you like. So I'll give you a couple of prudent proverbs. The prudent give thought to their steps. The prudent see danger and take refuge. So it's thinking about, does that make sense? It's just, it's just practical wisdom, isn't it? Think about the consequences of what you're doing. Think about, is this wise in God's eyes? It's making godly choices in life. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about is the orbit of wisdom. And this is where we're looking at this statement, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, And it's actually, this has been described as kind of um, a motto of the Old Testament. Because you saw just now, didn't you? There was lots of verses that have this statement, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's like a motto. Now, do you remember your school motto? Anybody? I had a school motto called Feed and Presto. I don't know what it means. Nobody in the school knew what it meant. It was of no use to us. The King's School, one is in Winchester is Una Laborantes. Is that right, Emily? Working together. That's a bit better, isn't it? Working together. I'm sure there's lots of good ones out there. Um, the, the Winchester University, I didn't know, I went to Winchester, Winchester? I almost said it wrong. I went to King Alfred's, obviously. It was a long time ago. It was, that's what it was then. They have a motto, and this motto is wisdom and knowledge. Well, that's a bit better, isn't it? Wisdom and knowledge. But um, they're actually looking at a lot of the classic old Latin mottos. A lot of them have got God in them. If you look at um, Oxford's, there's loads of them about God, fearing the Lord, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's actually, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, but the winner of the prize for me in Oxford was, uh, in Oxford, it's, uh, he that, there's one house called Merton College, and it says, he that feareth God will do good. It was yours, Barry. You were in that college. That's very humble of you to mention it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, but isn't that great? Barry was praying earlier, and he actually got it spot on in his prayer. Um, what we're talking about, this whole thing of, of fearing the Lord. So maybe it was your college that helped you. That's good. But the University of Aberdeen is a top winner. It says this, Sapiente 
you know, initium sapiente timor domini. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So have you got a motto to live by? Because the Bible, this is an important Bible, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And actually, the fear of the Lord occurs 22 times in the Bible, 14 times of which is in Proverbs. So it's like a key concept you'd want to get across. And I've, I've done quite a bit of study on this this week because, it, like I said, it's not straightly, it doesn't get you straight away. You have to understand it properly to understand the benefit of it. Um, and the reason I want to call it the orbit of wisdom because this is the picture that's coming to my mind, is the concept is that we're, we're putting God in the center of our lives. Sometimes you get the idea that we, it's kind of like we're the center of our lives and kind of we have things that circle around us. So God's sort of, you know, a bit like we, people in, used to think, you know, the sun revolves around the earth. <laughs> And we can be a bit like that with God, you know. Well, I'm the center of my universe and God's just kind of orbiting around me. Now, the, the concept here is, you know, God, the awesome God who made the universe. That's how vast he is. That's how amazing he is. He made the universe. We are orbiting around him. It's, and it's learning to put him first, to put him in the center. That's really what this is about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's saying, God, I want you central in my life. That's the wisest thing you can do. It's the wisest thing you do. Say, God, be Lord of my life. Be in charge. Be central. Don't, I don't want you to be peripheral. I want you to be central. So that's what the fear of the Lord, that's why I call it the orbit of wisdom. So it's saying, God, that's why it's so important to these people. It's saying, and should be to us. God, be central to my life. But I just want to explain this, this fear of the Lord thing because like I say, it doesn't, it's not immediately obvious. And so uh, one commentator puts it like this. You, you don't just study when you're trying to understand the fear of the Lord. It's a compound, not um, an individual. You don't look at the individual words on their own. Okay? So he said it's a bit like H2O. He says you don't understand water by looking at hydrogen and oxygen. He says, concrete is a mixture of water and cement. He said, you don't understand the word butterfly by looking at the word butter and fly. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's a compound. You brought the two things together. Um, and the fear of the Lord is like that. It's, it's not, we don't, we don't understand fear. Oh, I really want to get hold of fear. Yes, fear, Lord. <laughs> and Lord. It's actually, it's understanding the are you following me? Good. Okay, some of you are. I, I find it quite interesting. So Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 says this. And now Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So the fear of the Lord is also put, it's almost the same as the love of the Lord. It's the same thing. Fear the Lord and love the Lord. It's like uh, one commentator talks about the poles of awe and intimacy. It's not either or, it's both. So I am in awe of God and his amazingness. 
and I'm in love for his tenderness. Does that make sense? It's, it's having both awe and intimacy. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not, it's not a craven fear, as Greg, I remember Greg used to preach on this. It's not a craven fear. It's not like a terror. We're not intimidated or scared in that sense. We, we, we love him. We know him. We know he's good. He's been good to us. So there's a kind of a, a love that's there. So I just want to read out a few things I came across. I just found them really helpful. So our distinction between fear and love is not applicable to this mentality. The fear of the Lord also includes love. That's one commentator. Another one. The fear of the Lord in wisdom teaching always denotes piety. It does not mean terror, but religious awe. Still slightly wordy, but hopefully helpful. A guy called C. Bridges says this, The fear of the Lord is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father. I really like that. Affectionate reverence. It's not fear. We're not afraid of God in that sense. We know, we, we know he loves us, but we have an awe. We have an affectionate reverence. God is not to be messed about with. God is serious. It's a serious thing to be a follower of Christ. Um, and I'll give, give you another one. It says this, Fear is best understood as reverent obedience. It includes worship, but it does not end there. It radiates out from our adoration and devotion to everyday contact, conduct that sees each moment as the Lord's time, each relationship as the Lord's opportunity, each duty as the Lord's command, each blessing as the Lord's gift. It is a new way of looking at life and seeing what is meant to be when viewed from God's perspective. It's seeing as life as viewed from God's perspective. Does that make sense? It's orbiting, not seeing ourselves as the center, but seeing God as the center and us from his perspective. Does that make sense? Seeing things from God's perspective in our lives, saying, God, how do you see this? Is this wise? Am I... Am I being wise? It leads to wisdom. When you can get God in that place in your life where he is central, it just, it leads to wisdom. I'm not, I've, I'm not being a fool caught up in my own world, but actually I'm caught up in God's world. And he's, he's pulling me out of stuff. You know, gravit- the gravitational pull of the sun, whatever. I'm not a cosmologist, but, you know, it pulls you, doesn't it? Well, that's what it is to have the fear of the Lord, the reverence and awe of God. It, it pulls you. I'm not going in that direction anymore. I'm going in a new direction. He's pulling me. He's drawing me around himself. God is the center of my life. Does that make sense? I hope that's helpful to you. That is what the fear of the Lord means. It's awe and intimacy. Affectionate awe can be one way of talking about it. So I'll just give you an illustration. Uh, just of a few things here. The Bible talks about... We've got the PowerPoint up. The Bible is full of wisdom. I just want to give you a really interesting example of a, quite a popular modern proverb. Uh, what is the most popular modern proverb that comes to your mind? You say, what is a popular modern proverb? Anybody? I, no pain, no gain. Okay, some good ones. Keep calm. Did someone say keep calm and carry on? That is the the current most popular modern proverb. Wow, it's in the Bible. <laughs> so here we go. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. 
It says this. This is 3,000 years old, so it's not just done in the war. This is ancient wisdom. It says this. If you stay calm, you are wise. Or you could translate it, keep calm and be wise. I just quite like that. <laughs> I thought, yeah, God's pretty wise. We think we've, you know, we, we know what we're doing, but actually he's known for an awful long time that getting all uptight is not going to be a very wise course of action. And there's a lot about, you know, the foolishness of um, being hasty or quick or um, not thinking things through properly. But also sometimes we can be caught up in anxiety. And anxiety and being wise could actually stop you doing something positive for God. So you've got to have all of these things, these proverbs, are like little truths to give you a general understanding of wisdom. They are not promises from God. It's quite important to understand that. You can't go, that's a promise from God. It's not. It's a general truth to help you in life. So you, you kind of got to understand them all as a compilation. So you, in some situations, that's the right thing to do. In some situations, that's the right thing to do. So, you, so over these coming weeks, that's the attitude. We're learning general truths about wisdom. We're not, these are not promises from God. They are generally wise sayings to help us live in a wise way. Um, so that said, I've got a lot of good stuff here and time is slipping away. But I want to say that Jesus is the ultimate personification of wisdom. So ultimately, the fear of the Lord is trusting Jesus with your life, making him Lord. And there's a really interesting, again, I came, came across this this week. Isaiah 11 says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is a Masonic, this is a prophecy about Jesus. The spirit will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is Jesus. So when Jesus turns up, people are amazed. When he, when he was a young man, it says he grew in wisdom. People were amazed at the wisdom that Jesus had, even as a child, even as a young person, looking at the young people, get off your phones. <laughs> no, they're not on their phones. But he was wise as a young man. People looked and said, wow. That's a, wise, that's a wise young man. He was growing in it. He was making godly choices and growing in wisdom. Uh, when he comes out on the scene and starts speaking, he says, well, where did he get that stuff? Where did he get that amazing? The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom was on him. And he said some amazing stuff. He talked about the wise and the foolish builder, building your house on sand or on the foundation. And the contrast, he said, both heard the words. Both heard the words, the wise builder and the foolish builder, the, the one building on the sand of the rock. The difference is how they, what they did with the words. He says the wise builder put the words into practice. He says whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like that. You'll have a rock in your life. The center of your life will be like a rock, a foundation. If you have the reverence and awe of God as the center thing, it, it, it works. It gives you solidity in your life. But he also said things like this. When he talked about worry and anxiety, this whole thing about keep calm and be wise. You know, Jesus said, worry is not good for you. There's a whole passage on worry, isn't there? And how worry can mess up your mind and it, it can really tie you up. And he actually refers to Solomon, about Solomon was dressed 
in all his finery. He's not dressed as well as the lilies, and God sees the lilies. But he comes to the end of it, and he really makes this point. He says, what's the answer to anxiety and worry? He says this, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. That's the answer. See, the world says, keep calm. But actually, it's got no source of calm. There's no calmness in just trying to tell yourself to be calm. You need to be connected to the one who makes you calm, who gives you peace that passes understanding, the God who changes lives. That's the way you get wisdom. It's not by just telling yourself why stuff. It's by making God central to your life. Does that make sense? So that's been my experience, that God changes us as we connect with him. It's about, there's rational stuff, so you can learn about God, but ultimately it's about relationship. It's about connection. It's about saying, I'm going to connect to you. It's not just a concept, the fear of the Lord. It's actually about relating to God as Lord of your life. So that's how we get wisdom. And uh, just, it's interesting, I was looking at this. When it says the beginning of wisdom, and my three points, which I am going to get on to the last one in a second. But it spells out the word bow. It only hit me yesterday when I was looking at it. The beginning of wisdom, the first three letters are bow. And that, I just thought, hmm, that is kind of it. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about reverence and awe. It's saying, God, I bow the knee to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be the center that which round I orbit. So that's the orbit of wisdom, having God as center. And finally, uh, wisdom that works. D.L. Moody said this, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. It was given to change our lives. And I just want to say, for me, I found the Proverbs and the teaching of the Bible really personally very helpful. Um, I just want to finish with a couple of funny little stories. Um, One of which was when I took the kids when they were younger, we went on a bike ride. So this is me being wise, not. (laughs) So we went on a... So you've got to imagine my kids much, much younger. So three of them on a bike. They've got their bikes. I've got my bike. Helmets on. You know, it wasn't all foolishness. But helmets on. And we decided to go from Stanmore down through Badger Farm, all through the quiet roads, trying to keep the kids safe. And we will go, this is where it gets foolish, we go uh, onto St. Cross area, and we take the, you know, where the um, monastery bit is, and can pass out, and we cycle along the grassy area. Now, as we got to the end of this, and we had to put, you know, we had to lift the bikes over a couple of obstacles. Well, you do, don't you? Anyway, as we got to the end of this journey, uh, a man came up to us who was red in the face with anger. He was absolutely furious because it was his land. And uh, so we, you know, it's a walkway, but basically he had a real issue with cyclists going on this. It was a footpath, not a cycle path. And so he came to us, didn't he, Emily? He came to us absolutely and uh, just in that moment, I remembered that proverb that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So I just, he came up to me and he was going absolutely mental. And I've had a few instances on this. I don't know whether I invite it. but uh, <laughs> uh, So he came up and they're, they're getting these small kids, but it, it didn't seem to see the kids at all. He just was going at it. And uh, 
he, he, um, he let them, you know, and I just gently answered him. I just spoke to him gently. And by the end of it, he was almost like my best friend. He was like, oh, yeah, and, I was like, and he was being all friendly. And I remember thinking just how wise that proverb is, that a gentle answer turns away wrath. And it was something we talked about. But ultimately, we should have seen the signs that say no cycles. <laughs> um, my bad. So, and another one, and I, I guess this probably be the, 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 the last one, is um, probably not quite so flattering to me, but I, as a young man, had some character issues. No, Rob, you didn't. Yes, yes, I did. And uh, for those of you who've been around, you probably know, but I, I wouldn't think most people would know, that I came originally to Winchester to train to be a teacher. So I came to university in 91 to 95. And uh, so I did four years B.Ed. And when I got to the last year of the B.Ed, I failed my final teaching practice. And it wasn't uh, a great moment for me. So I kind of justified things in my mind. The, uh, the teacher who I was with was a practicing witch. So I, I thought, well, it's her fault. She doesn't like Christians. Uh, and, but I, I, in my it, a bit of a dark patch, I thought, well, I'll go see a leader of the church. And, uh, you know, Greg was too scary, so I went to see Guy. <laughs> No, he wasn't, he wasn't scary. Uh, but I went to see Guy Miller for half an hour just to chat it all through. And Guy gave me some wisdom straight out of the book of Proverbs. And at the time, I wasn't really ready for it. Because I wanted, I went to church, I want church leaders, or I did, just to be nice to me and just say, oh, there, there, poor you, things haven't worked out, that's a shame. But Guy didn't do that. He said, well, Rob, I think the issue here is you've got a problem with laziness. Laziness? So you didn't try hard enough. Now, at that point, I did not think I was lazy. Now, looking back, I looked at my school. We just had a loft conversion. I looked at the school reports. And there were quite a few teachers who'd spotted that there was a problem. <laughs> and they'd written it on these reports. But I, I oblivious to these reports, I had carried on in this, this character trait of doing things last minute and, you know, getting, relying on whatever to just try and get by. So Guy, he just gave me two, two guns blazing. I mean, to be a credit, he did say, you know, Rob, we really love you, which probably helped to hear what he's... And then he just said, we really love you, but boof! <laughs> you know, you've got some issues. And uh, I've said to him since, I mean, I walked out of there, not a happy bunny. <laughs> um, but there's some proverbs, isn't there, about taking correction. And I knew, as I thought about it, I knew what he'd said to me was true. I hadn't thought I was lazy, but as I reflected on it, I thought, you know, actually, and it's changed, it actually has changed my life completely uh, in that area. So after university, I got a job working at this place, PCMS, and I made it my mission to work hard. Because I know the Bible says, you know, hard work honors God. And so I've, I've worked hard. And God has blessed me. And I can't help but say, it's the wisdom of Proverbs. You know, hard work has produced things that if I'd gone in with the same attitudes I'd had before, it wouldn't have worked out very well. Um, 
You know, the Bible has got some useful stuff in it. Useful stuff for everyday life. You know, if you work hard, it produces good results. And so that's, that's how I approach life. And there are lots of things in the scriptures like that. So I'm just encouraging you over these coming weeks to really be open to God's wisdom. Are you correctable? Are you teachable? If you had some time with Guy Miller and he pointed out some home truths, what, what might they be? You know what I mean? God wants us to wise up and be wise in how we live. So those are the three things. It's wisdom that works. It's orbiting God as center of our lives. And it's understanding that wisdom is about making godly choices in our lives. I trust that's been helpful to you. I'm just going just gonna to close with prayer. But if, if there is anybody here today and you're saying, well, actually, I'd quite like to start this journey. I'd like to make Jesus Lord of my life, Master of my life. I want to make God central. I want to orbit. I'm just going to give you an opportunity in a moment just to pray with me and invite God to be Lord of your life. Okay? But let's all just close our eyes and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you showed the wisdom of God to us in dying on a cross in our place for our sins to making a way that we could know God. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to teach us wisdom. And I pray, Lord, help us to be open, help us not to be hard-hearted, help us to be willing to learn. And if you're not a believer here today and you just want to pray this, I'm just going to give an introductory prayer to becoming a Christian. Just pray this in your heart. Mean it. And God hears the heart that turns to him. So just pray this. Jesus, I want you to be center of my life. I want to begin with God today. Come into my life. Forgive me for my sins, the things I've done wrong. Help me to live a new life with you. I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name.